0: If we're going to go 80s R&B, I'm going to have a hard time not talking about New Edition. New Edition may be the best band there's ever been. Think about the lineage that came out of New Edition. Out of there, you get Johnny Gill, Ralph Trezivant, Bobby Brown, and Belle Biv DeVoe. I mean, as a group had a ton of hits, and then all individually had hits. They're like the the Beatles of 80s R&B. I'm telling you, man, there's nothing better. I mean, that is the 80s to me in my mind. Johnny Gill is the Sammy Hagar of R&B.
1: Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. Today, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Reed Smith. Reed is a digital strategist, a digital patient expert, uh, and also a social media evangelist. I would say he can be found online through many social platforms with his name, Reed Smith. Uh, also on LinkedIn, he does a really great LinkedIn um, list, um, LinkedIn feed, and you can find him on his website, socialhealthinstitute.com. Reed, welcome to the show. How's it going, Chris? Uh, Chris Boyer. ChristopherBoyer.com
0: at Chris Boyer on all the popular uh, social media channels. Uh, if you haven't, be sure to connect with him on LinkedIn uh,
1: and the like.
0: This episode of Touchpoint is brought to you by one of our
1: sponsors, Transparently. Transparently is the nation's fastest-growing platform for gathering and publishing physician star ratings and reviews. You could visit transparently.com to learn why the country's most innovative health systems are choosing them to power a better digital patient experience. Again, to learn more, visit
0: them online at transparently.com. Another
1: another Friday, another week has passed. Another week has passed, and, and that means another episode being recorded. And That's today right. we're at episode 28.
0: 28, and of course, you've downloaded this episode and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about websites.
1: So you're telling me. Well, actually, we're going to talk about a specific thing around websites, which is website consolidation. Yes. Reed, do you remember when I was working at Northwell Health, one of the biggest challenges that was present on day one, they had 88 websites spread throughout their entire enterprise. That's a lot. And they realized that it was becoming too cumbersome. One of the things that they wanted to do is figure out a way how they can centralize it somehow. They weren't really sure how to do it. I would say that was my number one priority when I started there. 88 is probably,
0: well, I mean, it is too many, but it's probably on the spectrum of uh, way more than a lot of folks have or whatever have ended up having, right? I mean, North Wales, big place, big system, lots of hospitals, lots of clinics. Maybe talk a little bit about, like, you know, how do you, know, how do you get to 88? sites in the first (laughs) place, you know, and I I don't mean that in a negative standpoint, because I've seen this over time. And a lot of it's from a technology standpoint. Um, a lot of it is more operational decisions that happen and Hey, now we need a website or a landing page or, you know, whatever. Some of it's through acquisition, but how, how do you get to 88 websites?
1: It just kind of happens organically. I don't think anyone ever sets out to say, we're going to create 88 separate websites. Well, maybe companies that are are focused around building these house of brands are. What usually happens typically when you start to have multiple websites, it starts with the main hospital website, which every hospital in the United States probably has, you know, generalhospital.com or whatever it might be. But that website over time starts to get big and clunky, it kind of suffers from the fact that it's like the main central website. And every time you want to add a new service, maybe you bring on a new doctor or you do a new thing, you want to start adding PR, press releases, all of this. Suddenly the site grows to be this clunky, big thing that really is trying to solve all the problems. Ever, right, right? The kitchen sink website. Yeah, I mean, it's like what we're seeing. I, and now that's
0: moved to, I need a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we used to have, and I mean, we still do. We, we have people come that are vocal advocates for their portion of the organization. So that could be a service line, could be a brick and mortar location, could be an initiative, an institute, and they want a website, because their audience needs something different, at least in their eyes, than what mm-hmm. is being provided on the you know, regionalmedicalcenter.com website. They need a different mm-hmm. format. They need less clutter. They, need, they don't need all the other information the site has. And that was a real concern and a real need built on older technology. Right. So now we've got more sophisticated technology where you can address some of those concerns inside of a larger site. But historically speaking, even when you start going back to just we're putting brochures online, one plus one did equal two in that case versus now one plus one does not necessarily equal two relative to the content because of shared content and some of those types of things.
1: Yeah, or they want that fancy, they want embedded videos that are kind of seamlessly part of the experience. You know, particularly if they're starting to build out campaign microsites or landing pages. Maybe they want that parallax where, you know, things move as you navigate through, or they want to integrate it into a a campaign, an online campaign, or sync it up with a CRM or marketing automation. And the older technologies don't support that. You know, the main hospital website. They're on a CMS that they bought 10 years ago or eight years ago or whatever, and it doesn't really happen. So then what happens is the agency goes out and builds a little site over here, or a service line launches a new site, or maybe uh, you also like are starting to serve different audiences. Like, Let's say, for example, you have an employer outreach program, and you want to create a site that's just branded for that employer for your B2B services. So you create a whole another site for that. We're, we're going to talk specifically today about the consolidation process or trying to bring
0: websites back into, into one presence. That's not to say there's not a need or uh, a reason to have multiple websites. You know, one of those could be the brands are different. You know, it's different mm-hmm. systems or institutes or whatever it is. It could be campaign landing pages. It could be, there's lots of different reasons that you might have a separate site. And we're not saying that there's not a reason for that, but today we're specifically going to talk about if you look up one day and you got four or five, you know, outlying sites that need to be rebuilt because they're not responsive or their own old technology or whatever. Here's kind of a roadmap, if you will, an example of, of how Chris specifically brought 88 into one. And then we'll hear from uh, Mike Forat over at Chris's health later uh, who did something very similar. And, you know, some
1: of the things that they came across and, and, and discovered. A consolidation process. I think the first thing to to understand about that too is, you know, there may be a lot of reasons why you, you suddenly lift your head up and say, wait a second, it's not working anymore. But the moment you have that realization One of the first things I always say when I talk to people about that is what you're asking for to consolidate, to centralize, to kind of build all these sites together. It is not necessarily just a technology problem. It's not just a content problem. It's not just a branding problem. What it is, it's actually, you got to start to change the way you do things. Because quite frankly, the reason why you have so many sites is because People started to do stuff on their own, and now you have to create a whole system and a whole process to make it all into one. So I always say... This sort of website consolidation is really a change management process in, in in disguise. First, you have to start to understand what's driving you to make this change. And you have internal and external factors that may lead you to the change, right? There's quite a bit that goes into this. It's
0: not like somebody just owns the website. This has become uh, the most visible piece of your organization relative to you know branding, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and the expectation of the site has changed over the years. And so people are very used to now doing everything online, booking hotels, paying bills, signing up for stuff, finding out all their information. I mean, I bought an airline ticket the other day and from my phone, you know, uh, pick the seats, you know, the whole deal. And people are very used to that customized experience versus just... The broad you know, brochureware type content we've historically had, which led us down this path of people saying, I need something different.
1: When you lift that head up and you say it's time to centralize or whatever, you might also, you know, what other factors might lead you to, to make that decision is that all of a sudden you're managing websites on multiple different platforms, multiple different content management systems. I remember at Northwell, we had something like a dozen different content management systems. Mm -hmm. So your web support team has to know 12 different interfaces, you know, and you inherit them maybe from an agency or what have you. But overall, what it does is it becomes really hard to manage, not to mention the licensing fees for all of that. Every year you renew and you're like, wait a second we're renewing for the main website, but we have these, you know, all these other websites that we have to now renew for that. And we have to update content. And if we update it in one place, do we have to update it here? It, it exactly. just really becomes so hard. And we talked about this
0: in the CMS uh, episode quite a bit about a headless or multi-tenant or, you know, different mm-hmm. things like that. We don't want to retrack on that uh, so much. You can go back and listen to that episode. It was one of our earlier, earlier episodes, but the idea that, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, You know, you could have your web team, you know, be much more streamlined because they're going into one tool making edits, maybe on shared content or something like that, that then propagates a number of different sites, regardless of their branding or how they are viewed to the public. You know, the administration on the back end uh, is
1: much more efficient. Absolutely, but then there's there's also that front end piece of it, where the the external implications of that too. Of course, every you know service line wants their own look and feel for their different service line, but to the consumers using the web, it gets confusing. I remember we had three different neurology pages. For depending on you know uh, which service line it is right. for different hospitals, some of those hospitals are two or three miles from each other, mm-hmm. and it got very confusing. If if people in the in the market are cons- trying to consume care, and they now have three different sites that they have to go to to kind of make a decision, well, should I go to this hospital, or should I go to this hospital, or should I go to this place? While they're all still part of the same health system, right? So it gets confusing.
0: Now we're back to talking about like we should be taking to account the consumer. <laughs> Yeah, when when (laughs) we're doing this, it's funny, you know, you and I do this enough that I've got a handle on, or I know even with folks I don't work with, uh, you know, non-clients, I I know what their web setup is. You know, there's some bigger ones out there and I I know how their web is set up and I'll come across one of their websites and immediately I go, must be a joint venture with a physician because Mm -hmm. it's different than their, their main website. Like I can tell it's on a different platform. It functions differently. You can tell the content's not quite right. It's funny because, and now that may not be overly obvious to people, you know, the general public, but the idea being, you know, it's not about what we want to do as healthcare systems or physicians or clinics or what, whatever, administrators, and what are they expecting site to do and
1: act like and then if you're in a competitive market it becomes even more challenging because you know quite frankly from a digital marketing perspective you're trying to rise above in the search results and try to be you know for people finding neurological care or whatever the care is And now you have to not manage just the SEO of one site. You have to manage the SEO of three different sites. It's almost like robbing Peter to pay Paul at times. It's like, which one do we want to promote above the other one? And why does it even matter? So, and in that perspective, when you're in a competitive space and you're dealing with, you know, other ways to bring people to the site it just starts to break down after a while. And naturally that ultimately impacts the user's experience. So I always talk about when you're looking at a project like this, imagine three circles, and one of those circles are your business needs, and one of those circles are your users' needs, and the other circle are your technology needs. And all three of those things influence the impact of this process, right, of what you're trying to accomplish. From a business perspective, What? how are you using the website? What's the role of the website? Why are we using campaign landing pages? Why are they important? What are we trying to accomplish by using those? You have to get all of that stuff together to understand what your new solution will be. If you're out there and you're thinking, I need a new website, this is a good opportunity to take a deep breath, take
0: a step back, draw those three circles like Chris is talking about and really detail out or just even script out, you know, what is that? What is our consumer looking for? What do they need when they come to our site? And that's going to be uh, a little bit different for everybody. Some of that's based on geography or the size of the organization, you know, what you have to offer, et cetera. And then how do you then make it easy for them to then do that? Making an appointment, paying their bill, you know, signing up for a class. You know, taking an online screening or assessment or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, why are people going to land there? If you're a big, gigantic, well known system, you're going to have a lot more definitional content, experts, scientific writing. So, you need to make sure that people can access that because that's why they're coming there. Maybe you're a regional acute care system and it's more action oriented. So, it's about finding locations and physicians and Signing up for classes, or you know whatever it may be, or maybe you're a small sole community provider and you're trying to uh, really drive appointments and get people to understand the physician's practice here, philosophy, and things like that, because you're trying to avoid outmigration or whatever. Why are people coming to the site? How do you make it easy? For them to find the information and do what you want them to do and what ultimately they need to be doing when they arrive at your website.
1: You know, and this is a good point to interject that there are different types of people using your site in different ways, right? right. And so understanding those different audiences, too. One of the things that we did is we kind of said, okay, what are the main needs of The consumers, people seeking health, we call them health seekers, consumers, what have you, and listed those out. Those are many of the things that you were talking about, Reed. But there's another audience that uses your site, the physicians, the referring physicians, and how are they utilizing and how are they going to be interacting with your site? And particularly if you're doing it, if you're an academic medical center or you're doing research or you have a residencies and fellowships, Another audience to consider is candidates. Everybody says, well, what's the number one driver on a hospital website? Well, of course, it's people looking for a job. And so you have to have information on your site to address that and prioritize those audiences. What are the needs of those audiences? You take that all into account. Your users' needs can be incredibly complex until you start to assess all of this.
0: And then finally, see so you, you know you understand now what you're trying to do as an organization. You understand what people coming to the website are looking for. Then you have to kind of take take inventory or take role of what other pieces of technology exist around the organization and how do we tie all this up together so we're talking about interoperability which is probably a podcast in and of itself mm-hmm. um, but you know how do i make sure that if i do know the user needs and the business needs how do i ultimately determine are we being successful is, is the site working and doing what it's supposed to be doing so you've got the technology or the cms the technology that's powering the site itself do you have a crm tool or there are other third party integrations and plugins maybe maybe something like ZocDoc or some appointment setting tool Um, you know, maybe there's a health library, maybe there's a talent applicant system, you know, how, how are you going to make sure all this stuff
1: talks that in and of itself can cause a a lot of pain. And if you want to think about trying to align that as uh, back to this 88 website, you know, initiative, we had three different online bill pays that were enabled mm-hmm. on the website. And those were built, internally built. And so now what we're talking about is, oh my gosh, we probably should lead towards one singular online bill pay. Well, luckily we were going down an EMR that had an online bill pay component built into it. And the, the the system was moving down that path anyway. But when you start to integrate your technology, now you're talking to the IT folks. Now you're talking to maybe your own developers on your team or people that are you know your CRM vendor to make sure that you have the CRM integration and get this, read. all of this is before you even start working on the project. You have to understand this. <laughs> you
0: know, we'll hear Mike talk a little bit about this later. But, you know, one question I asked him is, you know, how much planning to execution? You know, is that a one-to-one? You know, is that a two-to-one? If you spend a, a month uh, planning, does that equate to a month of execution? You know, so... It's almost like it's really hard to change and unravel some of this stuff or adjust it after Mm -hmm. the fact in a lot of cases. When we're talking about foundational elements, getting it right or planning correctly up front is going to save a lot of
1: time and effort. You know, one of the things that I really feel strongly about this project requires a lot of project management. And one of the things that I sort of necessitated with my team, my entire web team, went through project management training to get through this. Because you know, quite frankly, a lot of us manage projects in different ways. When we're talking about something this complex there's so many moving parts and so many moving pieces, it's really important to bring the the basics of project management as sort of as an operating discipline that people apply every day. We, we got a project management software that we were using, and there's a lot of free or, or inexpensive options available to do so. But moreover, it's like learning how to speak the same language, learning how to define the scope of a project, learning how to break up sections of the project so that you can actually tackle those individually, managing that project efficiently and assign- people the responsibility for ensuring that they're meeting their deadlines and that they're able to close out a project, particularly if that one is dependent upon another one, whatever, that becomes sort of like the core discipline. And, and while, you know, as a digital marketer, And a strategist myself, it was really hard for me sometimes to adhere to project management. That was like (laughs) really critical, right? And I think you know, if you've got the resources, you if you've got the availability,
0: whether it's a full time employee or a consultant or something like that, having a project manager uh, will really ensure that um, you know if you need that site launched by a certain time, maybe it's coinciding with, you know, a brand refresh or something like that, you know, make sure it all stays on track.
1: For us, it was, we, we were moving from one technology to another technology. So add another layer to the mix, right? So our contract for the one technology ended on this day. So we had to launch the new site prior to the end of that previous contract. So that really put sort of a firm line in the sand, right? You couldn't, we could not go past this particular day. And then you have to backtrack and make sure all your timelines match to that. As an organization, we've built a lot of websites for a lot of hospitals over the years. And I
0: will tell you, project management is one of those things that it's, it's worth its weight in gold if you're trying to hit a certain deadline, obviously, and to keep people on track and who's waiting on what from who and whose responsibility is what, especially on uh, you know, opposite sides of the coin, whether it's the agency or the hospital or you know, whatever it may be. The other big component... That is always the big tripping point is the site content itself. For most, uh, you know, hospitals do not go through web iterations probably as quickly as uh, some other verticals, especially not somebody like Nike or, you know, even Apple or something like that. So when we go and we build a new website, the idea of just, well, let's just migrate over the old content. Everybody always has this idea of like, well, we'll just pull over, we'll just edit it as it like comes over this magical fence to the new website. And that sounds good as a soundbite in a meeting somewhere. We'll have such and such edit the old content. Being very, very specific, I think, especially if you start thinking about and what we're talking about today of consolidating multiple websites. To your point, there were, three or four different instances. I think you said neurology related content Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you're going to have that. So it could be multiple hospitals. And so they all do women's services. Well, guess what? All their women's services content's different. And somebody's going to go, well, but we've got a huge NICU. We've got a 60 bed NICU. Well, we only have an eight bed NICU. Well, how do we handle that on the website? The different locations have different size and different levels. You know, it could be trauma yeah. levels, could be NICU levels, you know, etc. So you've got to think through all that stuff. You can't just now decide, okay, well, how do we just lump all
1: this onto one page? When you're talking about content, too, it's not just the text. It's the videos, the photographs. All of those other elements too, just moving them over the transom from one place to the next is not going to solve the problem, particularly if you're going for this consolidation, because think of all the data that's associated with that content that helps to drive SEO, for example. And when you're doing an audit and you're starting to look at all the content on your site, you're going to find these deep recesses of your website that no one goes to, and it's content that hasn't been updated for five or six years. Well, is that still relevant it's like cleaning out your garage, right? You're pulling these boxes out from the back, and you're like, wait, what is this? Do I still need this? Is this important? Is it important for the user? Is it important for business? At one point, we were there was a section of content that we thought was no one was... In, It was not important at all because it was only being hit maybe once a year. Well, we found out that it's because it was there for regulatory purposes and it was needed when they submitted their paperwork to the county. We couldn't get rid of that just because of traffic, but we didn't know that because this content was hardly
0: ever updated. So the idea there is when you're doing the audit is understanding, you know, obviously the analytics of how much you know people are looking at it. And so there are some regulatory pieces, but if you get into like service line content, for example, It's kind of like that idea that like when you move out of your house and you haven't looked at anything in the attic since you moved into the house, just burn it like you don't need it. (laughs) Like, Just set it on fire and call it a day and save the cost of actually moving all that junk to your new house and putting it in your new attic where you'll never look at it. Now, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but not really. And this is where you have to involve people from the clinical side and maybe focus mm-hmm. groups and patients and things like that, because there may be content that analytically is not showing up, but it's because nobody can find it. Maybe it, maybe it is something that would be relevant. And so you've, just, you've got to have a process and you've got to be able to go in. Now, the good part about all this is you will never finish the site. So if you're waiting to finish the site before you launch it, that's a problem. You're going to have to get to a place where you're okay kicking it out of the nest and letting everybody know, listen, we've scaled this back and then mm-hmm. we're going to start seeing what we need to add back in. Yeah, you know, maybe from a content standpoint. You know, have a path. Again, this is where a good project manager can come into place. This is where you as leaders can can play a role messaging this to the organization of like, listen, we're not moving everything over just because it's on the existing site does not mean it's going to end up on the new site. Uh, now, we're mm-hmm. going to then get feedback and understand what people are using and what they're missing, liking, not liking, and, and make adjustments. You know That's the good part about digital,
1: obviously. Your website is a living document, and it keeps... Going, It's a living thing. It's not even a document. It's a thing that just keeps going, and you need to continually update it. This is a good time to actually put in an editorial calendar where you're going to say, and we're going to revisit this content in a year or in six months, or this type of content needs to be refreshed continuously. This kind of content is more evergreen. and It can only be hit annually. But you could set now parameters, and good new CMSs can do this, where they will say these sites, these pages are up for review now. So now what you're doing is you're kind of building some structure to to your content updates and your content refreshes. But I remember read what we did is we kind of scraped the, the text content off of our website into uh, a spreadsheet that our content people then started to say, okay, now each section of this content, what is it related to? You know, we, you have to find the interdependencies of the content too. That that it became an incredible opportunity for you to start to define the metadata of your site content. 50% of the content that's related to your content on the website, you don't actually see. It's in the back end telling you what it's related to. What are the SEO implications of this? You know, what's, sure. which which uh, areas or locations are, are treating this. We even went through and made sure that we started to associate doctors to that items of content, if relevant.
0: Before we go much further, we'll want to bring something to your attention and point out that there is a webinar that you might be interested in from our good friends over at Influence Health. Influence Health, a great sponsor of this podcast, is actually partnering up with Yelp. Talk about the increasing important role of review sites in the patient journey. So you can uh, navigate over to their website, influencehealth.com, learn a little bit more about the webinar they're doing on Wednesday, August 23rd. That's Wednesday, August 23rd. Find out more at influencehealth.com. And then let's talk about SEO. When we consolidate sites, what what we haven't mentioned probably is that some of these other sites have real value, you know, from a search engine standpoint, maybe especially because they're very, very specific in a lot of cases. You know, they're only about AFib or whatever it is. Making sure that we take that into account that when we move things around, number one, the consumer can still find it but we don't lose the equity we have relative to search. So there's ways to do that, 301 redirects, you know, all that kind of good stuff, but just making sure, you know, that you have a plan in place, I guess, you know, to make sure that you don't lose any of that stuff. You know, redirecting the the source URL that's great, but let's make sure that we're, we're not losing you know, our search engine rankings.
1: And incredible analytics that you can gather to determine what are the keywords that are bringing people to that page are those relevant keywords? You could start to add that, and now you have your metadata, you have the data that you, you can associate now with future. SEM campaigns, you have information that can really drive the formation of the new page and make it more robust. The other piece of that too is now you start to, when you're looking at conditions and treatments, you can see, well, how does my health library interact with that? And how am I using that content to help supplement this? And it gives you the ability to, to really kind of source like the data on the back end to help create the best newest presence. But don't be fooled. That's that's a hard task you're consolidating stuff and so so you've got more
0: things uh inside of a site more brick and mortar more uh suites or service lines or whatever listed even if they're within one location you're you're pulling a bunch of stuff together into one
1: and so that means read that you, you just create you know thousands of links from your menus right
0: yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> no, you want to you wanna make sure, you know, obviously uh, the whole goal of this is still to keep the website relatively flat in the sense that you don't have to go, you know, more than just a couple of clicks to find anything that you need to find. And so locations, driving directions, phone numbers, things like that are still extremely important for folks coming to our website, you know, consumers especially coming to the website And so we want to make it easy. Uh, We want to have, you know, you can do some different things with mega menus and some things like that to get people where they need to go. So if they're looking for a hospital or emergency care, urgent care, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, you can also flip that a little bit and, and you know base it off of uh, conditions. So if they're looking for physicals or you know rehab or whatever it may be, you know, you can kind of back into
1: things some different ways. You know one of the things that through that that uh, that project uh, that I keep referring back to, what we found is is that users come to came to our sites, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they came in through conditions. Sometimes they were looking for doctors. Sometimes they were looking for locations. Sometimes they were looking for treatments. What we found is that they all kind of relatively were of equal importance. So our biggest challenge was to develop a navigation structure so that regardless of how they came in, any of these sections, that they can get to the right content or the next step. If you're coming to look at conditions, probably you want to know what doctors treat those conditions. You want to know what locations those conditions treat about, And that allowed us to start to build sort of that that connectiveness of the website. Uh, and, and the same is true for any of those other touch points. You come in by location, what doctors practice there, what services, that sort of thing. That gave us a really great approach to the navigation and and ultimately the information architecture for that site. And of course, don't forget, you have to make your new site accessible by any device. And I say that because we've talked about this before, but mobile first or mobile friendly is very, mm-hmm. very important in this regard, because the, the biggest feedback, negative feedback we had with the original website is, if you're getting to it from a mobile site, you couldn't get to the, all the navigation, you couldn't see where everything was at. So we had to kind of reverse out from what would it what would be the experience like on a mobile site? or a mobile page and ensure that as people are navigating through it, they're able to get to that content easily and with a flick of their thumb.
0: And to you know, spend a fair amount of time in your analytics, understand from a device standpoint what people are doing on your site. That's not going to tell you everything because, again, that may be skewed based on the current functionality of your site, but it'll help you. Maybe frame some initial steps relative to, you know, what content and how it's positioned from a mobile standpoint. I'm increasingly amazed at how much people are willing to do on a phone as far as reading, taking assessments, you know, things like that.
1: Now, all of those things are important and they they impact the technology and what your content management system needs are. And what's interesting is, is if you're taking this all into account, this actually will create a set of business requirements for what your new, not only your new CMS will do, but then for what your new site design, your layout, your wireframes will do all of this again, leads us up to that stage. And we're not even at the point now where we're showing the pretty pictures of what the new website would look like.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, that we, we've we talked very little about actually building the new site. Most of this is yeah. assessing and talking about what might we do. Things to take into account, which I think is great. I think this goes back to, you know, the more planning you can get, do, the smoother the site build's going to go. Now, that leads us into this idea of, you know, what kind of reaction is this going to get around the organization? Inevitably, you're going to have somebody that you're, in their mind, you are taking their website away or down or getting rid of it or what have you. You know, they had this thing. They liked it. It worked just fine. And now the, you know, bad corporate web department
1: is, you know, taking it away. That is a big, big internal gulp moment for them where they they you have to figure out a way to help them along with that change So part of the things that I I talk about a lot is going through a web transformation. It's also not only a change management, part of that is communication. I developed a communication strategy for my team in order for us to go out regularly, not only in the day-to-day as we're working on auditing the content and all this other stuff, where we would go through and we'd, we'd provide updates of how the site progress is going and why we're making the decisions that we make. See, all of this leads to how you design your new site it's so hard for people when you're starting down this path, they wanna see what that new site's gonna look like first. They wanna see what the homepage is gonna look like. They wanna know what the colors look like. And all of that stuff, while that's while that's important, it doesn't even happen until halfway, if not further down the path. So you have to figure out ways where you can communicate to them and start sharing with them the decisions you're making and why you're making those decisions. I found it extremely helpful and to to bring in physicians at this point because to them they started to understand that this was a process, right? This was sort of like we were diagnosing the problem. And then from the diagnosis, we were putting together a treatment plan and, you know, and I wouldn't use those words, but we were walking it through the different steps of this. I would show them the navigation structure written out like why we're making the decision this way why we're putting the navigations this way why when you come to the home page you can't go right away to you know XYZ hospital or, or whatever or how people would get through that and explain it in the in the eyes of the web user how the web user would navigate through it
0: so I'm gonna make a note here so I go out and I talk to these folks and tell them their site is terrible <laughs> no okay so i think this is not rocket science but you've got to have some level of rapport you can't just show up and take their side away involve them in the process philosophically kind of get them involved in the process where they don't feel like you're taking their side away you're helping evolve their site into something that's better use analytics you know, Use some data that shows why we're moving down this path. Show other examples like, hey, this is an industry standard. This is what people mm-hmm. are expecting. It doesn't even have to be healthcare examples, but just, hey, this is how people engage now. This is what they're looking for. So this is how we're going to try to position this. Help us make sure we're not going backwards. Because the quickest way to get a detractor is to put them on the outside. If they're involved, they're gonna be much more of an advocate even within the organization. I think the next piece of that is is timing. You know, we've talked about this, oh, yeah. but just the amount of timing that's involved in just the planning standpoint much less to build. I don't think people have a, have a great grasp on how long, because if we've talked about building microsites and things like that, just by the nature of the size of those sites, they're going to go a little quicker. It's one topic and it's fewer pages. You know, Now they're part of a much larger equation. It's gonna take longer. Um, it needs to take longer. There's more integration points. You know, there's more functionality. It's just more complex than it was the
1: last time around. And this is where that role of that project manager or or having project management in the process helps a lot because you do have a timeline. You've established what that timeline looks like. The trick here is you want to make sure that you're communicating openly about the key milestones at this particular point in time we'll start to be auditing your content of your site at this particular point of the time we're going to start rewriting your site we're going to be working with your physicians to help rewrite the content or what have you give them sort of that that an open transparent approach towards this is how we see the site evolving of course they're going to want to say well when is when am i going to see what the new site looks like and what what one little trick that i found is always put that towards the end because they fixate, they'll fixate on the colors. They'll fixate on the way it lays out, and it's hard to do that if you don't have all of the other content associated with their particular service line. It's great to go up to them and say, "Here's what the general colors are that match the brand, etc." But wouldn't it be great to say, "Well, we've done some work on your content. Here's what a page for Stroke would look like, and it actually has some of the content flowed into that." That's a good point to start to communicate with them and say, "This is where it will, you know, this is what it's going to look like."
0: build a plan for even post-launch on how they continue to be involved and how this continues to
1: be a priority for you, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, their content being that priority. The website's the number one place where uh, people gravitate towards online. It's where you can make the most transactional elements, paying bills, making appointments, that sort of thing. Developing a process around centralization, it suddenly impacts all the other Things and makes all these other digital channels better. So, for example, with social media, at the same time as we had 88 uh, web pages, we also had 70 plus social media accounts that were out there. Hmm. Every individual website had an individual social media. So, this whole path of centralization and the whole thing around content consolidation, starting to work together and operate more like a system, it really also put a focus on, do we really need five neurosciences, Facebook pages, for example, or, you know, Twitter accounts or what have you. And it really allowed us to start to streamline and and align social media a little bit better. Now, I'm not saying that we had one social media account to rule them all. We didn't. But what it did is it allowed us to kind of narrow down those social media channels to be more effective. It allowed us to put in a strategy, a content strategy, and a purpose for each.
0: You've also got things like like email or marketing Mm -hmm. automation. So, you know, a lot of those pieces that go out typically tie back to a blog or maybe it's web content, stuff like that. You know, you're bringing people back in. Potentially, there are some CMSs out there uh, that include, you know, some of that type functionality, whether it's posting to social media through the CMS, uh, sending out emails, or doing marketing automation through the CMS. Again, it kind of depends on you know, the level of sophistication that you need, uh, how big the organization is, how complex it is, things like that. In most cases, the marketing automation or the site personalization stuff is uh, kind of a phase two. It's like, let's get the site up and then let's start some persona-based adjustments or ad-based adjustments or whatever it may be. But you may have some things running that you need to look at. Well, okay, how do we relink? How do we
1: make sure the linkage is still there? Between the old and the new. By getting to a centralized place we were able to centralize our email and marketing automation technology that allowed for people to have one place where they can go and manage all of their preferences across their various emails that they may have. Some people may have like signed up for an email newsletter for different counties or different communities, or maybe they have a heart. Now we're on, we, we went to one email marketing automation platform. Now what we were able to do is create a place where people can easily manage their preferences, so to speak. And that, you know, fed upon itself. So now what you're talking about is a centralization there, and that cascades down to the CRM. Now what we could do is pass that data directly to the CRM rather than having to figure out, oh, well, how are we going to pass form data from these 12 different CMSs into the CRM? We now only have one type of integration that we can do. As, As we look at this and consolidation, it's not an easy thing. It's not for the faint of heart. And it doesn't all happen at once. Our team didn't consolidate 88 websites at once. We, what we did is we covered a bulk of them, about half of them, in the first process. And then we had a plan to migrate and consolidate all the rest. Because, quite frankly, we also did this all in a year. And that was a, quite mm-hmm. an accelerated timeline. And, and that was the way to approach it. So that's why I, I when I have the presentation, which we'll link to in the show notes, I call it, uh, I call it eating an elephant. Because how do you eat an, eat an elephant, Read. One bite at a time. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh,
0: on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too
1: many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like
0: to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. Touch point.
1: Touch counterpoint there are two sides to every story ready fight
0: all right here we are touch point touch counterpoint talking about website consolidation today and i'm going to make the case you now we've already talked about that um, you know there are reasons to have a web presence outside of the main website however In an ideal state, you would only have one website, one web instance, one web presence. That's it. That's the ideal or that's the goal. And so ultimately, how close can we get to that? But in a a perfect world, one website.
1: Well, if that's your ideal state, then I guess you don't really care a lot about people being able to find you online. I think that's a terrible idea, Reed. You need to have multiple web pages out there to help you, not only for those things that we just were talking about, the campaign landing pages and joint ventures and other things like that. You want to kind of spread the, the web of your websites across the internet, because quite frankly, people are searching everywhere. You know, the, the wider the net, the more fish you're going to catch.
0: Yeah, but if you do the if you create a website correctly, it's just one bigger net versus a whole bunch of
1: medium-sized nets. I guess I could see your point. However, I would say that there's no possible way your one website can capture all of that traffic. How many billions of websites are there right now? We need to be out there as wide as possible. Sure, you need to have a big net, one big net, that's your main hospital website, but you need a bunch of little nets on the side too. When you're trying to capture online traffic, the more ways you can bring them in, the better your results are going to be. So if that's through you know, a multiple series of small little campaign landing pages, maybe a couple of microsites and your main website, that gives you better opportunity to reach people by how they search. But the only reason we
0: have more than one website is because we're letting people outside influence what we do online. A physician wants this thing or somebody that runs a service line or is in administration
1: or whatever it may be, it's
0: not because that's the best scenario.
1: It's not necessarily the fact that we're letting physicians influence it, but it's what the users want. We did a web st- uh, survey to see what people are looking for from the hospital websites, and they went, they're coming in for a couple of different reasons. One of them is to find a doctor, another is to pay a bill, another is a patient portal. So those are three distinct web pages that we can create that would be optimized for that particular task. And now what we're doing is we're actually making it easier for people.
0: Mm. I still think it can be much easier if we have everything in the right place and have the right technology powering it. That way people can find what they need without jumping all over the internet. They go to some of these sites and it's like, wait, did I just leave the hospital site? Where am I now? What's going on? I, it just, I think the ideal state is one web presence that's appropriately with the right taxonomy and
1: some of those types of things. Gets people where they need to go. But there's nothing worse, though, than like clicking on the link that you think is going to get the answer that you need, and all of a sudden you're, you're in this deep recess of a hospital website with all this navigation wrapped all around it, and I have no idea where to go, no, no way knowing what the next step is, and it just doesn't, serve my, doesn't give the answer to my question. I will just leave and go to a competitor website, quite frankly. The competitor website is not going to be any better. <laughs> They're still not going to find what they need. <laughs> Uh, it's hard to argue this point with you reed because eh, i'm a big advocate in consolidation i think it makes a lot of sense for the user's purpose but and everything that you were saying is is true to a certain extent you're not going to get though to that ideal state i think overnight i don't think there is Mm -hmm. there's probably only one website i know that serves everybody equally and meets their needs and that is something like google because it's just one screen and it just asks you to ask it a question and then it gives you back answers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would love, I would love to see somebody completely, you know, take their hospital website down and only have a search bar there. I- I'd love to see that. Philosophically, I'm not sure we're there. I'm not sure you could get anybody there just yet,
1: but to think about that we didn't even talk about when you centralize a website about how it's so much easier on searching within the hospital website to have a search bar that would be amazing to see you would have to have a lot of information about your content and an incredible Mm -hmm. understanding of all your content on the site and ensure that you're meeting all those different variables that people might potentially be asking because there's nothing worse than putting in a question and not getting the answer
0: yeah, and I think we'll get closer as AI, AI matures, but that's a whole mm-hmm. other topic for a whole other day. All right, we're back with the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. And today, very fortunate, especially with the topic of the day, very fortunate to have somebody like Mike Forat join me. Mike, thanks for, uh, thanks for spending a few minutes with us today
2: glad to be here, Reed.
0: So Mike is the System Director for Digital Engagement for Christus Health. And uh, maybe uh, before we get too terribly far into this, um, Christus is a big organization. So those that are not familiar, Christus based out of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. But can you give us, give everybody a, a little bit of a, you know, paint the picture, I guess, of, of kind of what Christus looks like from a uh, brick-and-mortar standpoint. Well,
2: Chris, this is a, is a large Catholic nonprofit healthcare care system, and uh, we, we are unique in the fact that we're actually international. Uh, our mission extends not, across, not only just across three states, and primarily New Mexico, Texas, and Louisiana, but we also uh, extended our mission into Mexico, Chile, and Colombia. Uh, in the U.S., mm-hmm. we, we operate about 60 hospitals and 350 clinics you know, across those three states that I've mentioned.
0: When we're talking about you know digital engagement, uh, you're part of the organization that that obviously includes web websites, landing pages, you know those types of things. what What are some of those other marketing tactics and marketing elements that kind of fall in
2: that portion of the
0: organization for you
2: guys? My primary role here is to manage and maintain all the external facing uh, websites. And you know in our marketing department, you know we're really charged with building tight interoperability between uh, our CRM system, our call center, and our web presence. And then at some point, you know, we're looking to add marketing automation to our marketing stack is to be the glue between all those three uh, three elements.
0: For those that are listening, the reason I really wanted Mike to, to join us today is because, as you heard, there are a lot of hospitals, a lot of, a lot of brick and mortar locations relative to Christus Health. And they've spent the better part of um, a year, maybe two years at this point, Planning, going through design, developing, and launching a new web presence at ChristusHealth.org. Uh, Tell everybody a little bit about that project. We
2: ended up uh, on the final deliverable of the project is just a you know a, a website that you know is definitely going to scale, and it's obviously you know it's going to be interoperable with uh, our CRM system. Um, so, so that was basically the whole upfront process. Was you know the RFP bit. Uh, landed on the technology and then the reseller to to get us implemented.
0: Talk a little bit about you know some of those things as you started going through the process of what is it that we want, um, what what kind of stakeholders were involved uh, in that process internally, and then you know how, you know how did y'all end up going down a road that uh, kind of led you where you are now?
2: We we uh, knew as far as the end state goes that uh, personalization, responsive design. Uh, And then, uh, of course, scalability were were three things that we were, we just kept coming back to. So, you know, with that in mind, uh, we had a digital strategy integration team. It's an internal cross-functional team. It's comprised of, uh, you know, folks from the clinical side, from the IT side, the marketing side, uh, to kind of help in that selection process. And so, you know, we had incorporated a number of different audiences in the, the final output, and then, of course, taking that and then aligning that to our strategic direction as an organization.
0: So you did, you did have clinical folks involved. Yes, we did. Up front. What, what, what do you feel like the benefit of that was?
2: Well, you know, it, it obviously adds credibility, um, you know, factoring that in. So, um, you know, we have a, a chief medical information officer who I've uh, worked with for a number of years. Actually, he's, he's departed. We have a new CMIO right now. But uh, in, with the past CMIO, just that sort of relationship and sharing that vision uh, and having a, a physician on board with, you know, where you're going, just, again, it, it just adds instant credibility to uh, the final project.
0: What about, like, the general public, patients, uh, other types of caregivers, focus groups? Did y'all do those types of things or, or engage those types of folks in any particular way?
2: Yeah, so that's a that's a great question, Reed. So uh, this project incorporated a a ux professional and you know i'm ashamed to say it's actually the first time that i actually worked with a ux professional so uh you know having her input um was invaluable to you know just us coming back to that touchstone to keep the customer front and center with as far as um you know what we were doing and who we were doing it for uh and she actually used uh a TED Talk-type talk uh, engagement by a, a gentleman named Eric Myers, and he gave a, a talk in Austin a couple of years ago, and it really centered upon designing hospital websites for folks that are in crisis mode. If you are coming to a hospital website, say, in the middle of the night, chances are you know, it, it's, it's an emergency or a crisis, and getting that relevant information in front of that user as fast as possible um, you know, is, is paramount. So, you know, we just kept coming back to that. And with the personalization rules that we hope to write into Sitecore, uh, it will be a a much more dynamic experience for users as far as uh, the content that we'll be able to serve up. Just won't be so static.
0: Before this build, when was the last time? What was the last, you know, kind of major site build? How many years ago or how long ago was that for you?
2: Uh, Probably about four years ago was the last iteration. And that was really just new templates It really know was still the underlying sure. CMS but it just incorporated a, a, a lot more best practice because it's constantly you've
0: been doing this for for how many years now
2: uh, in hospitals a little over 10 years and you know in my background in publishing close to 20 you mentioned personalization and
0: uh, kind of some marketing automation type stuff is that is that really where you guys are headed or how, how do you feel even philosophically when you went to build this time around what it changed
2: you know, it's it's really designing around personas. Uh, in that, the exercise of working with a usability expert and her background, which she came from the gaming industry. And now, when we talk about usability, you know, as far as video gaming goes, they, you know, they're light years ahead. So, to just glom mm-hmm. onto her methodology, you know, the card sorting exercises and focus groups. So there was a lot of like pre planning that went into it. Uh, You know, in addition to, you know, building out the site map and getting that all, you know, all that architecture built into Sitecore, but uh, a lot of pre-planning, you know, as far as who's the audience. And then when it came time to develop the template and the wireframe, it really rolled in a lot of the things that we uncovered through our analytics and through uh, a a number of focus groups.
0: When you talk about pre-planning, how long of a process was that?
2: Yeah, it, it, it was pretty long. So I guess one of the lessons that we learned is, we spent a lot of time pre-planning, and then on the, we kind of cut ourselves a little bit short on the execution phase, but, you know, we did our, our homework up front, so, you know, when the finished product was rolled out and we went live, you know, it was really well-received and, and it, you know, it met a number of needs. It met the user's needs, it met our needs as an organization, so I can't stress it enough to, you know, the amount of pre-planning that needs to go into these sort of things, but of course, you know, leave yourself some time on the back end for the actual implementation.
0: In your, in your mind, in a perfect world, is it, is it two-to-one? I mean, should you spend twice as much time pre-planning as actually building it? Or what are your thoughts?
2: Sure. I think, I think a one-to-one is, is, is fair. Um, we were almost at a two-year mark, you know, when we went live. We were about 18-plus months. And, um, mm-hmm. So a one-to-one, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. Because you know, then you, you don't want to skip on the pre-planning process because these sort of things are so hard to go back and rework. Um, that could really, you know, it could really delay the, the go-live.
0: As people go into this process and they've decided, hey, I want to build a new website, my senior leadership has bought off on the idea of us building a new website, um, what, what, what would you recommend that either, hey, make sure you don't forget this or here are some good opportunities to you know, get some things right before you get too far down the path?
2: So uh, I'd say interoperability, you know, as you mentioned, Reed, the CMS is just one piece in the marketing mix as far as the, the, the marketing stack goes. So the interoperability piece for it to integrate well with your CRM system, your call center, and to position you for marketing automation is key. So, uh, you know, having that uh, interoperability uh, is, is, um, is key. So, and then also scale, you know, we, in, in the healthcare space, you know, we just need to be as flexible as we can uh, to meet the market's needs to pull everything in to one architected solution that made sense for us as an organization. You know, you need a lot of flexibility in a CMS. Uh, the end product there was, you know, a, a great relationship database-wise between your locations, your services, and your doctors. You know, having all of those uh, working well together obviously leads itself into a, a great user experience. So.
0: Talk a little bit about kind of that spec development and then ultimately that process of, you know, how do you determine, you know, where you want to go? You know, how, how many people are weighing in on this process?
2: Sure. And in, 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 uh, when we went to the selection piece, you know, I, I sat down with the, the VP of our IT infrastructure. And really, you know, we're a we're a .NET shop here at Christus. So it, it kind of narrows the field down a bit to... SharePoint, Sitecore. What we wanted to achieve here was responsive design uh, to address the mobile market, uh, personalization mm-hmm. to get that relevant content in front of the right user at the right time, um, and to geolocate. Given our the amount of uh, geography that Christus encompasses being in Texas, New Mexico, and Louisiana, we really wanted to kind of make that experience much smaller for the user, because we all know healthcare is delivered locally, so uh, to geolocate that user to the right content uh, to get that in front of them as quick as possible. You know, was, was we're also three tenants that we, we looked at as well,
0: man. I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, those that would like to connect with Mike, uh, we'll have a link uh, in the show notes, but you can track him down over on LinkedIn and, uh, and connect with him there. If you have any additional questions about what they did or what his thoughts are around something specific. So, Again, Mike, thanks for your time. We appreciate you uh, spending a few minutes with us. Yeah,
2: great read. Always good talking to you. Appreciate it.
1: And with that music, you know, we're getting near to the end of our podcast. And typically we wrap the show here with some recommendations. But before we do, I want to just do a really quick plug for some of the stuff that we're doing in the near future. Uh, First of all, I am going to be paneling a session with the Cleveland Clinic at Content Marketing World Read in Cleveland. And that's on September 5th through the 8th. My session is actually going to be on the 8th. We're going to be talking about drivers of digital disruption in healthcare and and have a panel, Brian Gresh, uh, Rob Bergfield, and others working in hospitals across the country talking about some of the latest changes in hospitals and technology. And so I encourage people to go out to uh, contentmarketingworld.com and learn more about that conference and come see me moderate a session on the, uh, the morning of the Friday the 8th. That'll be good. Also,
0: October 23rd through the 25th, we will be at the JW Marriott in Austin, Texas for the Healthcare Internet Conference. You can find more about that online, but uh, we will be uh, recording... Again, in front of a live studio audience on uh, the on that Tuesday afternoon of that conference. So more to come there. If you have not yet, that looks to be a great conference. Uh, sign up for it. You know, head over to CSE's website. That'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. That's always a great conference, and uh, here in my hometown. All right. Recommendations. Read. Yes. So um, I am recommending the Yeti Rambler, ten ounce. Everybody knows about Yeti. Yeti coolers and then, uh, you know, the drinkware and some of the different things that they've done. They're actually also based here in Austin. So when you're here for HCIC, you can go to the Yeti corporate store, which is kind of cool. But the uh, Rambler, the little stainless steel, uh, different size, they have the tumbler and... Uh, You know, different size bottles and all that kind of stuff. I like the 10 ounce low ball. I drink coffee out of it every morning and it's uh, really, really great. It keeps coffee warm for quite some time. They've recently come out with it. It's always been a stainless steel product, but they recently come out with it with some different kind of like colors, like almost like powder coated on it with teal and blue and kind of the hunter green color. Another thing that's really cool is you can actually go in. And they have uh, collegiate licensing that you can do. And uh, so some really cool stuff there, Uh, as well as uh, you can go in there and find your team, and they have it on coolers and all that kind of good stuff. So
1: the Yeti Rambler, the 10-ounce lowball, is my uh, favorite. Excellent. That's a good recommendation. And when we get down there to Austin, I'm going to hold you to and have you take me to the corporate store there. Uh, I am going to recommend a podcast read. Maybe that it should be uncouth, but I, you know, I listen to podcasts, and if people are listening, they probably do too. I came across a podcast this week. It's been around for a while, but what uh, I really started to enjoy it. it's by Adweek. The, yes, you know Adweek, the yes. uh, the company that talks a lot about ads, not the fake Adweek that I recommended a couple the episodes actual, ago. But this is the real Adweek. One. The actual ad week. And they have a podcast. And the podcast is great because it is a weekly podcast that's dedicated to various different trends. It's not just... They do cover a lot of advertising and advertising campaigns and talk about some great examples of advertising and advertising campaigns that are out there, which is pretty interesting. They do sort of a deep dive on a couple every week. But another thing that they do is they're talking a lot lately about technology. Technology in advertising. How... Ad agencies and other agencies are starting to embrace some of these new tools, even prior to when people in the market are actually using this. So anyway, they call it a scrappy, skeptical, and generally well-intentioned team that gets together and discusses creativity, marketing, media, technology, and everything else. It's a fun listen, and it's it's almost as entertaining as ours is. Almost. Almost (laughs) as entertaining. Yeah,
0: don't stop listening to ours, but that is a good pick. Well, very cool. Um, again, come out and see us at, at one of the events that we're going to be at this fall. would be great. Let us hear from you on uh, all the interwebs. And uh, be sure to, uh, uh, when you're over at iTunes, rate and review us. That would be wonderful. Uh, he is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. We enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.